Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Jeff, mm-hmm. how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, Skylar made some delicious soup yesterday, so I just had a big old bowl of that cool. uh, for, for dinner today. So really... Uh, Doing, doing pretty good right cool. now. Cool. It was, <laughs> it was uh, my father-in-law's birthday a couple days ago, so we still have some leftovers from uh, from that. So yeah, yeah. So food food is good. Not, yeah, not, <laughs> not much. Not much beats like a like good leftovers because like you get you have the good meal and then you're like and then like the whole rest of the next day you're like oh man I got those leftovers at home I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> so you know it's like any time after like a. You know, for the longest time after Thanksgiving, like my like my uh, cousins would always give us like a bunch of leftovers to take home, and so we would we would eat like you know we would eat like kings for like a day and a half. Sure, <laughs> so. sure. Um, if we ever wanted to do another dinner party conflict, or <laughs> yeah. if we wanted to do a bonus episode that was another dinner party conflict, right? Uh, I would love to talk about foods that are better or worse as leftovers. <laughs> that's yeah that's a pretty good topic uh because yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would uh i, I feel like that would be split on a, on a bunch of things <laughs> sure yeah. um yeah n- not really much else is is going on it was uh just labor day a few days ago right um, yeah did you do anything exciting uh i actually got to go see my family I haven't seen them in a while okay as, you know i'm sure people can understand why sure. uh but yeah we just like my parents have a lake house and so like we decided to go uh, to go out for for Labor Day, and we were there for a couple days. And cool. uh, I don't know, it was nice. They they have like a they have a little pontoon boat, so we just kind of like you know relaxed on the boat a, a couple times. And I brought my uh, I brought my telescope out there, which like oh. I don't have I don't have a lot of chances to use that here, so I just left it out there because sure. I was like, you know, plus I didn't have to lug it back and forth. But <laughs> um, it was actually pretty good viewing there. Um, it wasn't like super great. Like there was some light pollution because it's not too far from not a huge city, but a city. Sure. Um, but like, I don't know if anybody stargazed around Labor Day in uh, in the northern hemisphere. There was uh, you could see Jupiter and Saturn were pretty well visible, cool. and then um, Mars and the Moon were like right next to each other. So it was kind of neat. I feel like I once through your telescope, I once was able to see Jupiter, and I thought that was like that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah it's in, like it's interesting like I, I showed it to my niece uh i showed them to my niece and she like she sounded a little disappointed because like you know like <laughs> they all they're on like you know every like every kid's got like ipads and stuff like yeah. that so like they see these like high definition images of all these things and it's like that's what they expect to see when they look through the scope and it's like no it's this like when you see it in the sky it's a tiny little dot when you yeah. see it in a microscope it's a slightly bigger tiny little dot <laughs> right but I mean, like when in the case of like Saturn and Jupiter, you can actually make out some of the details, at least in, at least in my telescope. I know there's better telescopes out there for for looking at planets, but I don't know. I thought it was neat. Did you know <laughs> that uh, when Galileo first saw Saturn, he thought that it had like ears? Sure. Yeah. And then then for a while, it was believed to be like a mountain range that was so big that you know oh, it was sure. visible. But uh, yeah, but no, we we know we know better now. Right, of course, because we're all super smart now. <laughs> we're not super. That's the thing. We're not super smart right, now. Yeah, we yeah. just have the knowledge of all of these other people 
before they did all the all the smart work right um, and people did all the dumb stuff ahead of time so that right. we look smarter yeah right okay well yeah that uh that sounds like sounds like a lot of fun i know i did see some pictures of yours on facebook but uh mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah it's cool to hear hear about your trip yeah cool did, uh, did you did you do anything no um i pretty much laid around in bed all weekend <laughs> um I, I mean you know that's that that is what i do normally so i guess so, I, so i'm i'm happy for you we had plans like we were gonna lisa and i were gonna do stuff and then just all of them all of them just kind of went by the wayside i kind of i also on tuesday specifically we're listeners uh, a little peek behind the curtain we're um recording this a little later than we usually do because uh on the day we usually would i was i was dealing with a, i was trying to run a bunch of errands and every single one of them kept blowing up in my face and so mm. i just uh I was especially on on Tuesday. I was I was stressed out, so I didn't want to didn't want to do anything, and I just laid around instead. So <laughs> that is yeah, that is that is my default uh, default mode. So don't worry don't worry about it. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, uh, you want to go ahead and jump into this episode? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I want you to imagine that you've this may be hard for you to imagine, Jeff, but you've had a rough day at work. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. I'm getting there. <laughs> All right, I'm there. You know, it's up to you to to determine what what exactly was it that made your your day rough. But you got mm-hmm. off work and you want to just go and unwind somewhere before you go home. And you remember that there is that one, there's a new bar that opened up uh down the road that's kind of on the way home. You know, mm-hmm. hey, couldn't hurt to go and and stop in there. So yeah. You do. You go inside. You didn't catch the the sign. It's called a tavern instead of a instead of a bar. There was some logo or something. You didn't you didn't uh, take note of it. But you get inside, and the bartender turns around, and he's he's a particularly large individual, mm-hmm. and he uh, he you know slides a glass over to you. He doesn't even ask what you want. He just slides one over to you, and he says, <laughs> uh, "You look like you've had a you've had a rough day." Like yeah yeah I could uh, I could use a drink thanks. We'll tell you what this is uh this is a special house house brew here. We have our own equipment in the back. We got nice an IPA you know we've, <laughs> we we brew it in the back. Uh, Gabe sure. doesn't know where he's going with this story. So uh, here let me let me show you what our logo is. And he lifts up and he shows you the logo. It's a picture of him the bartender standing over a big pile of gold. And do you know what this this IPA is called? <laughs> What is it called? It is called the Dragon's Horde. Should be like the Dragon's Hops. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Spoken from someone who does not drink. So right, yeah. I took some yeah. liberties with the story. I hope that's uh, <laughs> hope that's okay. I didn't used to be into IPAs, but then I, I started I started drinking a lot of them for a while, and it was they're pretty good. Yeah. So today's magic item was submitted by Alistar the Minotaur via Reddit, uh, and the item is the panic button. Mm. This uh, it's a pretty simple item, but I think it's kind of neat. This item is a small ornate mithril elven cube with a hinge and a locked lid. Under the lid is a single red button. Once pressed, which takes an action. The cube teleports you and any allies you choose within 15 feet to an open seat at the nearest friendly tavern. Upon arrival, there is a mug of ale sitting in front of each member. Once the button is pressed, the magic of the item fades, 
and the box itself turns to ash. <laughs> and that's it. That's uh, that's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Sometimes you just you just need to go have a drink at the tavern. Yeah. You just need to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I I think uh, I like how it's consumable. If mm-hmm. it uh, if it wasn't if it was you know a reusable thing, it'd be less less interesting to me. I think. Yeah, more easily exploited and yeah, and yeah. But I, I like I like the idea that it's a uh, that it's a consumable. It might even be like created by a wizard that owned a tavern or something, and it's Ooh, like okay. a, or it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a business card sort of a thing. That I really um, like. Oh, it's oh my god! This this actually made me think of Monkey Island. Uh, there is a there is a used boat salesman. And like, there's this whole thing where you gotta like haggle with him and stuff, and he's it's very like stereotypical used car salesman like care, kind of character. Okay. And so you're trying to buy a boat to go on to, to go on a quest or whatever. Sure. And uh, so like, what if you if you're you're haggling with him and you find out you don't have enough money, you gotta go find money. He like gives you his card and he gives you a compass, and he's like, but it's a special compass that always points back to my shop. You know? So. <laughs> pretty good so, so like it's just like a you know it's a it's a it's basically a magic item that only only points towards his used boat uh his used boat lot or whatever sure um so this could be like a like a business card of a wizard who owns a tavern who wants their hit like returning customers you know okay yeah i i actually like it better if it is if it takes you to a specific tavern rather than just whatever is the nearest one mm-hmm Although it would be kind of funny because it's like the like what is the nearest tavern? Like it just be some <laughs> like random rundown place. It's like not even really in business anymore. And sure, like you, sure. Your party shows up with the drinks in front of them, and like <laughs> the bartender's like, "I don't even own glasses like that. What is going on? Like, yeah, I don't. We don't serve that here. What do you? <laughs> or what if what if uh, you're actually perfectly equidistant between two taverns? And so half the party goes to one tavern, the other Ooh. half goes to another. Yeah, the the other thing, the other detail was like um, open seats. So like, doesn't mean that they all open seats have to be at one table. So you like, true, you end up at some like half your party ends up at somebody <laughs> else's table. One of the seats is like in a closet, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was just a chair that wasn't being used. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of. Um, you know, interesting things you could do with this. You sure. Know? I, I don't know. I like, I like it a lot. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's nice. It's simple. It's fun. It actually reminds mm-hmm. me of, I don't remember if I ever brought it in for the dragon's horde, but during the fifth edition game that I ran back when I first moved back to Michigan, mm-hmm. um, I gave one of the players a magic item. That was a bar stool that if you sit in it, it gives you a, a mug of ale. <laughs> And then when, you know, when you're done, it, the mug of ale just, dis, you know, the mug just disappears. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like, I, I, I kind of in my head, I imagine the same wizard making both of these two items. Right. Yeah, sure. Maybe yep. like uh, he, he had a friend that was going to be going off, you know, moving some to some other country. So he made him a bar stool. They're like, well, this will always give you, you know, a, a <laughs> mug of, of my ale or something. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, that's cool. You know what? I kind of really like this uh, this 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 wizard barkeep character. <laughs> cool. Like he's just he's trying to find ways to like keep his like keep more customers coming. So like he's like, all right, take this thing. It teleports you back to the to the tavern. Or like, <laughs> take this bar stool. It actually like basically brings my bar with you in a way. So like, yeah. it keeps a running tab or something. <laughs> in um, 
uh, Justin from Crit Academy, in in his games, there's a running theme of, uh, or a running element of bourbon toe is like there was uh, a a gnome I think that one of the one of his players played named Merrick Bourbon Toe and mm-hmm. he made this world famous bourbon and so in every campaign that Justin runs or plays in he, he shoehorns bourbon toe in there somehow he was even he even brought it up in the uh in the actual play that we did yeah I was gonna say that sounds familiar yeah, yeah. so yeah um so listeners out there it's up to you guys to make more magic items that are from this mysterious cavern themed <laughs> wizard. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so good luck, everybody out there. Right, yep. <laughs> Alright, I think that'll do it for for this item. Once again, it was the panic button submitted by Alistar the Minotaur via Reddit. So thank you very much, Alistar. Jeff, if anybody else wanted to submit magic items for the Dragon's Horde, or if they want to submit questions for us to discuss, or stories for the funeral pyre or retirement village. How would they get those to us? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com or join us on our interparty discord at bit.ly slash interparty discord. That's correct. And before we go any further, we've got a giveaway to give away today, but this is the first giveaway of Unearthed Tips and Tricks (laughs) Volume 2. No way. Hold on. I'm looking at the winner right now. Well, okay. To be fair, when... (laughs) You know, when I, I rolled for this, we only had like three people on the list. So sure. And he was the first one to get one in. So it's it's not a wasn't surprise. He the, wasn't he the last? To uh, the no, last no. One? Actually, Alistar the Minotaur was the last. Oh, OK, OK. okay. Of, of Under Tips and Tricks Volume 1. Now, I'm pretty sure he won. Sorry. The, the, Jeff, who's the winner today? OK. <laughs> <laughs> Today's winner is Dustin F. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes. Congratulations, Dustin. Um, Dustin, I'm pretty sure he won Honor Tips and Tricks one of a long time ago. I think I could be wrong. Oh, did he? Uh, I don't know. It all it all runs together. I, I guess. I, yeah. Okay. I I don't know. <laughs> I swear this is not the Dustin show. <laughs> um. So anyway, thank you very much, Dustin, for entering. For anybody who's not familiar with Honor Tips and Tricks Volume Two, maybe this is your first episode you're listening to. In which case, welcome. Uh, Unearthed Tips and Tricks Volume 2 is a book made by the uh, the wonderful minds behind the podcast Crit Academy, which is a podcast we're good friends with. Um, also, I helped them write it, but it is a collection of 25 character concepts, 25 encounter concepts, 25 monster variants, 25 magic items, 25 DM tips, and 25 player tips from that podcast. So it's a, it's a great collection of stuff. Players can benefit from it. DMs can benefit from it got great stuff in there we've been giving away volume one for several months uh and uh we uh justin asked if we wanted to start giving away volume two so here we are so the inaugural winner is dustin f so congratulations <laughs> dustin thank you very much to crit academy for making this possible you know it's so cool yep. that uh, that they're willing to let us give this away because it only came out six months ago if even that right so, yeah so yeah it's really really cool um if anybody wanted to be like Dustin, how would they enter this drawing and possibly win a copy? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with unearthed tips and tricks two in the subject line. Yes. You got to put the number two in there. You can misspell the rest of it if you want to. You got to put the number two <laughs> or else we will, it'll get put in the wrong folder and then you won't win because we're not giving away volume one anymore. So gotcha. put yep. a two in there. It could be a number two or a Roman numeral two or the mm-hmm. word two. Okay. Up to you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, got. <laughs> All right. So once again, thank you to Crit Academy uh, for for facilitating this. Good job, Dustin. Thank you everybody else who has entered. 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a winner every week. So good luck to everybody out there. Also, if anybody wants to help support our show, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. Patreon is an online platform. You can pledge to donate a certain amount of money per month to the creator of your choice. And if you pledge to us, we have a few different tiers. We've got outtakes. We've got fantasy fiction that I've written, and I'm turning them into uh, audio fiction. Like I'm, I'm recording them as a, like an audio drama. And it's been a while since I put one of those out, but I have one ready to go out. So it'll if it's not out by the day this episode goes out, it'll come out in the next couple of days. So check that out. Also, we've got a monthly bonus podcast, uh, Interpatron Conflict. So we've got some cool, uh, cool different topics we've done episodes on. Also, we have a monthly Roll20 game. And I am currently sending out information to our, uh, our top tier patrons to figure out who wants to play in that. Because we're doing something a little bit different this month. So, mm-hmm. um, in fact, I'll even say we're going to be playing. I want to play a game of Dawn of Worlds, which yeah. is... A little. It's a game where you create a campaign world. Um, nor I think it's it's intended to be played in person because there's like you physically draw out the world and then other people can edit it and such. I'm gonna try right. and see what I can do to to do that online. But yeah. uh, I thought it'd be neat if we if we played a game of Dawn of Worlds and then future sessions can be set in that world. You know. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Like yeah, yeah like a a a setting made by our listeners. That's yeah. Be, that'd, yeah be great. that'd be, re- that'd be really cool. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one of the benefits of our, our top tier of our Patreon. So if you want to help out the show and get some cool stuff in return, head to patreon.com slash interparty conflict, check out the rewards, see if anything appeals to you. And, uh, thank you very much to everybody who has donated. We know that it's times are kind of rough for a lot of people right now. So for everybody who's still willing to help out, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. And then just one more quick thing. Check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy. I already mentioned them. They're at CritAcademy.com. Justin, Ian, and Austin make new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. Um, there may be something special coming out in uh, involving them pretty soon. So mm-hmm. uh, so stay tuned. Yep. Um, also check out Brute Force and Ignorance. I think they're still on hiatus, but they should be making more episodes pretty soon. And then check out uh, D&D Character Lab. They, I actually, okay, this is weird. I just, they, they stopped making episodes a long time ago. They released a track on their RSS feed that I, it was just a couple minutes long. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it was hinting at. It was kind of, it, it sounded like they might be making more episodes, but maybe I was, maybe oh. I was mistaking that. Uh-huh. So I'll try to do some research. I'll try to get in touch with them before next time and, and find yeah. out. But uh, yeah, p- potential teaser, I potential it. teaser. Right. Poss- it might be just another project that they're working on and they were sure. trying to direct people over there. So anyway, they made characters every week and pitted them against each other to debate whose characters were better. So go check that out. Enough with all that. Let's get into some questions. All right. Our first question comes from Miles of Steel on Reddit and they ask, what are your thoughts on the Matt Mercer effect? Is it real? And if so, is it a problem? Yeah. And I'll say I've seen a, I've seen a lot of discussion about the Matt Mercer effect recently. Yeah. It's, it's been a thing for at least a, a couple of years. But yeah. Lately, particularly, I've, I, it's caught my attention. So I figured we could talk about it. And I feel like from time to time, we've kind of not directly, but sort of touched on it. Like mm-hmm. we, we've we've sort of referenced it here and there, maybe. Yeah. Let's see how long we can go without actually saying what it is. Um, right. <laughs> I, I recently re-listened to episode 151 that we did, yeah. uh, which was intended to be, if anybody was coming to the show for the first time, 
I'm trying to direct people to that episode because that was kind of like it's an introduction to our podcast. It's also an introduction to D&D. Right. And in in our our friend group, uh, our friend Jay mentioned that another friend of ours from high school apparently was getting into D&D. And so he recommended that episode to her. And that got me thinking, hey, let me go back and listen to this episode. It's been a few months. Let me see what I think of how we how we did. Uh Um, I think we did. I think it was a pretty good episode. But okay, at one point in the episode, we did kind of touch on the Matt Mercer effect. Oh, sure. Um, I recommended people listen to to Critical Role and you sort of like I could tell you were sort of (laughs) hesitant to agree with me. Um, (laughs) Sure. Yeah. All right. So let's explain what the Matt Mercer effect is. Yes. Long um, time ago, there was once. <laughs> sorry, go on. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Big Bang, uh, <laughs> gas, and then it formed star. Anyway, um, okay. So I don't know exactly like if there is like an online like Urban Dictionary definition <laughs> or whatever of Matt Mercer effect, but from what I understand, it's basically like people who are new to D anD D who haven't seen who haven't like done anything related to tabletop gaming but then they see Matt Mercer in critical role and things like and things like it or yeah. listen to it and then they think ooh that's that looks like a lot of fun that sounded cool i want to do that and then they go and try and do that exact thing and it does not live up to their expectations because yeah. they're 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 trying to be they, they are trying to be a bunch of voice actors you know yeah, uh, you know, like, or or at least they expect the game to be as good as Critical Role right. when n- none of the people involved are professional voice actors or professional D and D players. Right. Yeah. So like it, it's it sets this expectation that is, you know, not not easily attainable. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's so a lot of time it is like you know newer players showing up wanting to play critical role but then they're but then they're faced with like oh this is this is completely different like you know the dm's not even like the dm's not even that excited about it or something you know sure the dm isn't doing all this all these voices and the dm isn't right isn't incorporating my backstory into the whole world and and so on yeah and i can't even gaze into his eyes it's so (laughs) it's just it's just he's not as he's not as handsome that's not a problem i've dealt with (laughs) <laughs> so uh there is a on urban dictionary there it's a it's mercer effect not matt mercer effect but it's, it's sure. the same thing yeah, yeah um <laughs> i did have to check what is it what can you can you read it is or is it uh explicit because it is urban dictionary matthew mercer is the dungeon master of the popular dungeons and dragons show critical role the mercer effect is what people call it when fans of the show get into D carrying the expectation that their sessions should be at least as good or similar to what they've seen in the show not mm. keeping in mind that the players seen on Critical Role have years of experience in both D&D and acting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, if you have never played a game of D&D and you watch a video of people doing it, a video or a podcast or whatever, and because this isn't specific to Critical Role, Critical right. Role is arguably, you know, if not the most popular, one of the most popular uh, platforms. Yeah. So yeah. if you were to watch an actual play or listen to an actual play and... See, it's just people sitting around the table having fun. You might think, oh, cool, I'm going to join a game and it's going to be exactly like this. And theoretically, that's possible, sure. But 
you have to keep in mind that what you are watching is professionals performing for an audience. It yeah. isn't going to be exactly like the game that you have at home. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that the game you have at home isn't going to be fun. It will be fun in its own way, especially if you don't already have expectations. Mm-hmm. I feel like games I've played in person, even if they wouldn't be as fun to a third party, have been so much better than anything that I've listened to as a podcast, right. you know. Now, th- now this, the Mercer effect isn't a new thing. Like, no. it's just, it's just, it's, it's called that specifically for D&D, but I yeah. mean, like, this, this is the same thing for, like, sports. Sure. Like, you watch a football game, and you're like, that looks like a lot of fun. Look at how great, like, look at how great those guys are playing, and it's so much fun, and everyone's cheering. Mm-hmm. And then you go with your friend up out in the backyard, and you're just, you know, throwing the ball around, and you, you're just, like, you're not throwing it good, or, you, like, you can't catch it, or whatever, you know. And again, I'm talking from experience of not being able to do physical <laughs> sure, sure. very well. But, I mean, like, you, it, similar idea you have this expectation of like this like you know uh like do it like like throwing the throwing touchdowns or whatever the heck sports balls who knows (laughs) um but yeah you know it's it's expectation versus reality of these of these things like it takes practice it takes it takes a lot of work to to get to to get to that yeah um and i you can even equate this to things like video games especially now with with like streaming Okay. Like there there are games that are basically specifically developed for streamers. Yeah. Like they're you know, they are made to look fun on a stream so that everybody goes and gets that game because they're like, "Oh my god, this guy had like there was so much fun being had on the stream like because uh, it but th- that's a professional streamer. That's somebody yeah. who like their job is to look like they're having a great time playing a video game." Mhm. And like to be very like interactive with everybody. So like you, they they put up this show of this like you know having this great time playing this video game, and then you go and buy that video game, and you don't have a ton, you don't have thousands of people to interact with while you're playing with playing it. So it's like it's not, it's not the same thing. Yeah, you know like so like there are there there are games that are like, that are very targeted towards like, looking good on a stream. But not necessarily being fun if you don't have like dozens of friends to play with you at all times. Sure. Um, another field where I feel like this is something that I'm sure a lot of people have experienced is cooking. Um, mm. In fact, when we did our, you know, speaking of dinner party <laughs> conflict, when we did our our dinner party conflict episode, one of the questions was with stuff like competitive barbecue, food porn, and so on. They set up unrealistic expectations that encourage wasting food in favor of appearance and competition. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely a thing when you watch these, you know, you'll watch a video that's like, oh, this video makes it look so easy to make creme brulee or something like that. And then yeah. if you try to do it yourself, of course, it's going to be harder than the, you know, 30 second animated GIF made it look like. So it's easy <laughs> to get frustrated and to blame someone for for making it look easy and making you think it would be easy. But again, yeah. you have to remember that. These are professionals. They may not look yeah. like professionals because they are good at being professionals. If you were if you were getting together with your friends to make a movie, it's like getting upset that your movie doesn't look like Infinity War. Like, <laughs> of course, it's not going to look like Infinity War. You aren't professionals. You don't have professional equipment. You haven't put tons and tons of money into doing it. It's just something you're doing for fun. So 
you do have to temper your expectations a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's their experience that makes it look easy. Sure. That makes you think like it might be easy and easy to do. Now, this is sort of like a negative sort of cynical way of looking at it. Like, I guess it's not really, but it, so the bright side of this is more people are getting involved in this activity. Mm -hmm. So like, because they're having such a great time on critical role role and everybody's watching and enjoying it, there are way more people playing, playing the game now. Yeah. And not everybody who went and tried it after watching the show stuck around and kept playing it, but I'm sure they still probably still watch the show or whatever. I don't even know if it's still going. Who knows? I don't. Uh, I, I've I've never actually watched Critical Role before. Same same here, but yeah. but but I'm aware of its effects. Sure. So, so, but yeah, that's but like more people are playing. Like you know, so like they got like you know thousands of more more people to start playing D and D, and like that's. That's great. Overall, that is great. Yeah. But it's me, the curmudgeon, going like, yeah, but they're they're not giving the people the right expectations. Like you have to like there's there's work involved in, in the game. It's not just sitting down and the fun happens. Sure. Yeah, it's it is a lot of work. Um I haven't seen any statistics that actually back this up, but I'd be willing to bet that the actual number of people affected by the Matt Mercer effect, like the number of people who actually were turned off by the game because it wasn't like Critical Role is pretty low. Yeah. It's probably a pretty small percentage of the people that started playing because of Critical Role. Mm. So overall, I would still say that it is most likely still a net positive, you know, for the hobby and such. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, hopefully it's even driven some people to be like, well, it's my game isn't like Critical Role now, but I want to make it like Critical Role. So that's what I'm striving towards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got something to look. You got look something to look forward to. You yeah. know, you can work towards that. I. It's just I had like I've had, I've had direct experience with the effect. Okay. And like specifically with Critical Role, and like like I've said, I've never seen it, but sure. a person that I DM'd for had seen it, and like I could see little like little things here and there that would happen that would be like disappointing to them yeah you know like they would like they would want to do a specific thing and i'm like okay well well we got to look at the rules on this and this and they go like oh you can't just do that it's like right no i mean i you know i guess if i was a better dm i would just i would do the like sure let's do that you know but because of a a, i was a newer dm so this is partly on me too so i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna say don't beat yourself up about it right yeah it's so like there was there was a few moments of like oh you're expecting it to be the show yeah like i like uh you know for one i if i maybe if i had seen the show i could better like serve that maybe you know like i might be able to be like oh i know what you're talking about i can work something in that's similar to that maybe yeah you know but more tailored to the specific adventure we're on or whatever so like you know you know, again, maybe there was something more I could have done, but at the same time, it was like, it was sort of just like, there was this expectation that the person had and it wasn't met. And they kind of had this moment of like, oh, well, that's not fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah. I've never actually, um, encountered it personally. I mean, I haven't really, most of the people that I've, um, that I have DM'd for, in the last few years have been like at, you know, library games and such where most of the players are people who have never done anything D and D related in their lives. So 
I haven't really had to deal with it myself. That being said, upon hearing that it is a thing, now part of me is scared that there are people that <laughs> are going to play a game with me and then they'll be like, oh, psh, this guy isn't Matt Mercer. And then they're going <laughs> to, it might turn them off from the game. I know that's, I'd say that's an irrational fear, but yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's that yeah, I don't think it's yeah. that huge of a thing. It's just one of those it's one of those like it's a gatekeeping kind of thing. Sure. And it's not you know like we're not, you know, you and I it most most people aren't trying to be gatekeepers, you know, like yeah. they're just you just have the like you have your own expectation of how the game is supposed to be played. Yeah. Um, um it's it's an unfortunate side effect of part of the hobby becoming popular, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like it's the Gosh, <laughs> I remember. Oh my goodness! So there was there. I do you are you familiar with the band called Nerf Herder? I I might have heard the name, but then again, I know the term from Star Wars, right? So I don't know. So yeah, there was a there's a band named Nerf Herder, and I remember like hearing about the band Nerf Herder and thinking like. <laughs> It was some, some rock band named Nerf Herder. I'm like, that's like you can't. That's you don't you don't understand. <laughs> you don't get Star Wars. It's not about rock bands. What yeah. are, what is like? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Like get out of get out of my fandom. And you know, <laughs> and and to be completely honest, like I'm not the, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I just I just liked it as a kid. Like sure. you know, I like I don't collect anything Star Wars related. You know, but it it was just sort of that like, like I had I had this like irrational anger of something getting popular that I liked, you know, and like yeah. you know people have a lot of people have dealt with that before, sure. But yeah, I just my my one specific memory of my my first memory of nerd rage <laughs> that I could think of was getting angry at the band Nerf Herder. Sure. <laughs> so I guess to you know. My my thoughts on the Matt Mercer effect is that it it is unfortunate, but it's not really anything you can avoid. It's it's going to mm-hmm. happen with every kind of hobby, you know. If it right, becomes yeah. popular, I'm sure when Tony Hawk became popular, everybody who tried getting into skateboarding was suddenly like, "Oh my goodness, why is this so hard? This is stupid. This should be I should be <laughs> doing 360 ollies on a rail." <laughs> You know, I'm going to do so many grinds. <laughs> yes. So I, I'm sure it's happened in other fandoms and such. Yeah. So I, I don't think that it is, I'm sh- it is real. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a problem right. or at least it's not a problem that can be avoided. It's, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a problem for the, you know, the game as a whole. It's just, yeah. it, it could be a problem for a specific game session. Sure. There, there's definitely going to be a DM or two that has a game uh, ruined because of it. And that sucks. It sucks, yeah. but there isn't really, you know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. But it is, it is just a side effect of something that's actually really good, which yeah. is more people being interested in a, in a game that takes people to play. Sure. Like, so like if it was solitaire, you know, you play it by yourself. Like <laughs> me, I, I guess maybe it wouldn't like, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to be gained by more people playing solitaire. You know, is it solitaire at that point? That's what you got. Well, no, I'm saying I'm saying like if more people played solitaire by themselves, obviously. So uh, you know, but like if there were more people playing solitaire, 
is that better for the game of solitaire? Maybe in the long run, like whoever, in, whoever put solitaire on a computer, you know, maybe that, that person just really likes solitaire. Sure. And if that person hadn't been introduced to solitaire, they might not have made solitaire on every windows computer ever. Yeah. Or I, I don't know what computer it started on. Anyway. Uh, well, I, I do know that w- windows did put solitaire on there to teach people how to drag and drop. Sure. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, but with D and D, where you like it, it's you need multiple people. Yeah. Like the more people you have, the more likely you're going to be. The more people are playing the game, the more likely you're going to be able to play the game. Yeah. So everybody out there, just try and remember that. Uh, try and remember, and if someone is doesn't realize this, try and let everybody know. The people that make Critical Role are professionals. They didn't just decide, hey, let's start playing D and D, and then suddenly become Critical Role. They had, they were all actors. Like Matt Mercer has been doing voice acting for like 30 Mm -hmm. years or something. Yeah. And it's not just the, like the length of time. It's the amount of work the man does. Like he's in everything. It's high noon. (laughs) It's like, that's that's him. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's like, he's pretty much, pretty much like, I I would say like 80% of the games you've played in the last like five five or ten years maybe i don't mm-hmm. know about ten years but less like five years i feel like he's like at least got a line in there somewhere yeah like it's so ridiculous but like also um they are professional D players so mm-hmm. they can afford to put 40 hours a week into developing the game and into making the game look and sound good they can put money into making the game look and sound good because mm-hmm. that is their job if yeah. you're just playing a game at home, you don't you're doing it in your free time. You don't have a work week to put into writing for your game and incorporating everybody's, you know, backstories and stuff into the world. Matt Mercer does. And yeah. also, let's I I again, I've never watched the show, listened to I don't even know if it's a podcast <laughs> or a TV show or whatever. Yeah. Definitely not a TV I, show. That's not a thing. But <laughs> but he probably has a team of writers. Yeah. I think that's safe to assume that there are other people he at least consults with when yeah, making I, well, the game. I don't know. From what I understand, he does a lot of his own his own writing and stuff. But I mean, but at the same time, I'm sure there's plenty of people like helping him like edit stuff. And sure, sure. Produce produce things like that. Like he's put out he's put out uh uh like player options that Wizards has published. He's put out um he's published a like campaign setting and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, I'm sure he's put in most of uh, plenty of work on his own, but, but it it is definitely, it definitely involves more people than you are seeing just on the screen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what's another one? Oh, Harmon quest. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, when I was looking up stuff, um, for this episode, I did hear some people referring to it as the Dan Harmon effect rather than the Matt Mercer effect. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the Harmon quest, um, you know, and like they, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's a, like sort of like a show. Cause they actually have like people up on stage. They're playing right. it live in front of people. They and have a literal also, audience. Yeah. And then they go and edit it and animate it, you know, mm-hmm. animate segments of it and stuff. So like, there's a lot of production involved in making it look fun. Sure. And you know, that is more, that is more show yeah. than, than it is game. You know, like they, they like, there's less of the game involved in that. Yeah. Like, I don't know that the game is more behind the scenes than something like that. Sure. Sure. So I, I just, I don't think that it's again, I, it is a problem, but it's not 
a big problem. And I think that as the, as the game just becomes more, as more people understand the game, it'll be less of a problem and less of a problem. Yeah. This does make me wonder though, uh, how would you feel Jeff, if there was an effect named after you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good point. Like this is sort of, this isn't a this is a thing that could be seen as like this is a negative effect that this man has had on on our on our hobby how dare he <laughs> sure you know so you know i think maybe off the bat i'd be like that's man that i would probably be pretty bitter about it but yeah. like like i've come to realize with the Matt Mercer effect is it's a good like it's just a it's just a symptom of a good thing yeah like it's just a side effect of a good thing because it's like it's it, ultimately it just means more people are playing and that's good sure so I'd be like well you know if I'm having an effect obviously like it's it's a net positive you know like sure. if you're Matt Mercer you're like well sure there is some there is some like there is some rockiness there but at the very least I've like brought this fun hobby to a lot of people who wouldn't have known it otherwise yeah uh well i think that'll do it for our regular questions for today but we do still Mm -hmm. have our social media questions our last social media question was if you had to make your favorite superhero as a pc in a game like DD, how would you make them Mm. do you recall if you had a favorite superhero when we oh did this well i don't know if i if it was my favorite superhero per se but it was the it was the, it was the most recent character that I made that was at least somewhat based on a superhero. Okay, um, I'd said uh, Iron Man, which I do like Iron Man a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite superhero. I haven't I haven't really delved into the superhero stuff in a while, other sure. than watching the Avengers stuff, which everybody did anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, it was an, I made an artificer, but it was a Warforged artificer that I flavored as not a Warforged, but a human that like had like some sort of accident that like fused an artifact with his body that sure. was like giving him these powers basically. And I thought it was cool because the battlesmith artificer was able to use their intelligence modifier for attack and mm-hmm. damage. Yeah. And I kind of thought that made sense for like somebody like Iron Man because like it's his intelligence that makes the suit, which the suit is strong. Like, yeah. you know, Tony Stark is as strong as a human can be. Uh, but the suit is incredibly strong and it's his intelligence that made that suit. So I'm like, okay, that, that kind of tracks that, that, that sounds good. Yeah. And you've got to imagine the suit probably aims his attacks to some right. extent, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, he's like, it helped, it helps him aim and helps him, you know, it helps him do these great feats of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a long time ago where I made, I think it was in third edition or 3.5 where I made Spider-Man. Okay. Which was just a monk with incredibly high jump stats and like <laughs> boots of spider climb. And uh, I think I gave him like gloves of storing with uh, ropes of climbing inside them. Sure. Sure. You know, for the, for the web slinging and all that. So yeah. like I, I did, I did that a long time ago. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, it was hard picking my, um, my favorite superhero spoilers. I didn't really pick a favorite superhero. Um, mm. I I mean really like I like several I like Spider-Man, I like Thor. I also I really like Jamie Madrox who is multiple man because for a oh, long time sure. I I I would say that uh making duplicates would have been my favorite superpower if I could have had a superpower. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but like, one. how do you make that in D and D that isn't just going to completely break the game? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, or 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 it's just mirror image, which you know, <laughs> I guess, a, yeah, which is a good spell, but it's just one spell. Yeah. You know. I I know there's some weird uh, combination you can do with simulacrum and wish that can <laughs> make like infinite duplicates or something. So right. That some, like, I guess. That's some late game, high level. Like your your DM has to be in on the in on it, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Like you you gotta really want it, and the DM's gotta really want it too. Sure. Know? I did briefly play a character in Mutants and Masterminds that can make duplicates, though. But apparently, sure. the group that I joined had just there was a guy that had just stopped playing with them, and he had a character that made duplicates, and he did it way better than I did. So. Ugh. I felt like I was I was walking in somebody else's shadow. So whoa. Well. Anyway, so uh, we got some responses from our listeners over on Facebook. Colin W says, "I wouldn't have known where to start, but luckily Justin over at Crit Academy loves Venom as much or more as I do, and I made an awesome Venom build using Fighter and Barbarian multiclassing. And uh, yeah, um, on Crit Academy they they released a product on DMs Guild that is the Symbiote, and it's basically mm-hmm. just you make a character that is a fighter barbarian multi-class, but you yeah. flavor the barbarian's rage as this symbiote taking over your body. Right, yeah. And it's yeah. really cool. He he posted that build on some uh, Facebook group, and people were talking about how broken it was. And it's like, dude, this is literally something you can already do in the rules. He just reflavored it. Right, yeah. It's it's. I mean, multi-classing can be powerful. It like, can be, yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of, that's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah. So if you're looking at it as a single class that somebody made up, quote sure, unquote, sure. You know, like you might, you might say like, that just seems overpowered when it's like, no, it, it, it's not, it's just, it's just multi-classing and then you just call it something different. Yeah. But that's, that's the power of, uh, of reskinning something. It can look yeah. like something completely new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean M says I had Batman as a vigilante in Pathfinder. Um, and I, I feel like that's actually, I mean, I, that's probably one of the inspirations for that class existing. So that, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Sure. I um, think I made a, like an urban, urban ranger, uh, character that was supposed to be kind of Batman like maybe. Wasn't or, your no, character a changeling and he had like different personalities? No, wait, I can't remember. I think I had, maybe I was going for more like a green arrow sort of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know. Um, Nathan H says Captain America as a Kensai monk cavalier fighter multiclass cavalier <laughs> because he could either ride his motorcycle or even on foot. The cavalier features are very team oriented and protective. Mm. The tough thing is his shield. I think that would just have to be a unique adamantine magic weapon. And then in parentheses, yes, I know it's vibranium, not adamantium. I'm meeting the D and D rules halfway on that one. Yeah. It's the, the, the idea is that it's like very it's very like hard to get past. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a um, very defensive object. I get it. And I feel like some, uh, some comics nerd, <laughs> Jay is probably going to correct me on this, but I think adamantium is an, it was vibranium that was like treated in a certain way to turn it into adamantium. I, I, th- from what I remember, it was somebody was trying to make vibranium, and then they accidentally was? made adamantium or something like uh, that. Okay, okay. I don't, I, I don't know for sure, but that for I, I'm remembering something like that. So you're telling me the comics nerd is you, 
Jeff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I if if I'm remembering that right, I probably heard it from Jay. So. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, JT says, "Ooh, it would have to be Spider-Man. Chaotic good alignment, a multi-class of monk and wizard. Wizard would just be to get the divination school for portent, which would be Spidey mm. sense." Mm. Uh, or homebrew something similar where a check against me would get disadvantaged so many times per day. That's yeah, that's actually really good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. Jason, in fact, says using Pathfinder second edition rules, I would make Cyclops as a human investigator with the sorcerer archetype. His bloodline would be elemental so that he could elemental toss to deal bludgeoning damage from 30 feet away at will. I would give him the raised by belief background, but instead of a deity, he would follow the philosophy of Xavier's dream. Highly skilled with some athletic and martial ability, and I can shoot beams of force from his eyes. So, yeah, <laughs> because, good. you know, uh, Cyclops beams aren't heat. They're like right. concussive force. So it's kind of like just getting socked really hard from from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of the movies like portrayed. I mean, like I. I, I the way I always pictured it is because it's such powerful concussive force that it like creates heat generates by heat, friction. Yeah. You yeah. know, so like so like the laser effect that they give it in the movies is not like you know, not completely off sure, you know, off sure. base. Yep. Um Chris, Chris F says Batman, Fighter Weapon Master four, Brawler twelve, Investigator or Vigilante four, Iron Magi build, Weapon Mastery in Unarmed. <laughs> there you go and then eric m says booster gold he would have full gold armor because he's all about glam and fame however he would be a bit crazy truly thinking he was from the future and his armor was somehow enchanted when in reality no one likes him he gets beat constantly and no one likes him he was actually <laughs> a court jester that took a nasty fall and bumped his head too hard mm. <laughs> no, that's, that's pretty good over on Reddit, Alistar the Minotaur says, This might be a little old for some folks, but my favorite superhero is Spawn. I think he'd have to be a Pact of the Blade warlock with a couple levels in either fighter or barbarian. Hmm. He was definitely an anti-hero with a couple vendettas to take care of. He was super hard to kill, a la barbarian or fighter, but was a master with melee weapons as well as firearms, which you could just reflavor Eldritch Blast as a gun. That cool. A Spawn's awesome. I, I haven't... I've never... I haven't read very many Spawn comics, but uh, Spawn definitely had an awesome aesthetic, I would say. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, Jesus Bagels says, I like to imagine the Green Lantern Corps as a Green Lantern Corps as an order of space paladins, but their ability set doesn't really translate well into the paladin <laughs> class. Maybe some kind uh, of paladin artificer mix. Um, I would say uh, Conjuration Wizard. Sure. Because they can uh, just create things, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking more lines along the lines of like a celestial warlock or something like that. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like you could go a lot of different ways with the the, the Green Lanterns. Yeah, Just really. With like, all of these, there's there's no wrong way to do it. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, like there there are some that like have more like obvious paths to take, mm -hmm. but I I don't know. I feel like because some of the some of the Green Lantern like some of the different Green Lanterns and la and the different Lantern cores and stuff have different. A lot of like a lot of more. They're more individual in some ways. Sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, over on Twitter, Adam G says, "I always liked Gambit, so probably a fighter with flavored Ooh. arrows that are playing cards charged with his power. 
Could be Battlemaster or Eldritch Knight. I'm not familiar with Arcane Archers. Yeah, I'm wondering if... I don't think the Arcane Archer, at least in 5th edition, can be done with like anything other than a bow. I think you have to have a use a bow. Yeah. And, not, and you, I don't even think you can do crossbows even. That's weird. But I'm wondering with... With some work with the DM or something like that, you could make it like thrown weapons instead. Sure, you know, I feel like that. I feel like that could be doable. Yeah. Um, over on Discord, Collins B says Nightwing variant human magic initiate feat sorcerer taking shocking grasp, and then I guess he has a weapon called an Eskrima stick. Uh, and also the jump spell. Entertainer background, since he's a former circus acrobat. Four levels in Scout Rogue as the first Robin it fits. Then nine levels in Shadow Monk, trained by Batman after all. The spells you get from that can be reflavored as gadgets. Darkness is smoke bombs, dark vision, detective vision, etc. Then the rest of your levels up in Rogue. Little overlap of abilities, but an overall very Nightwing build. Yeah, that works. It's pretty good. That fits my understanding of the character. Um, <laughs> Floofy Shub says, too easy. Doctor Strange is not a sorcerer. He's a wizard. He has to study. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stiltskin Koopa 84 says, I'm pretty sure that with a 20 strength, enough lightning magic, and a returning throwing hammer, you can make Thor. He would also need a 20 con and flight. But the MCU makes him look stupid. Bad int is bad for lightning spells, yes? I am sure at least that 4th edition has a feat that lets you use a stat other than intelligence for spells. Strength would only cover lightning elemental melee attacks. 20 charisma would seem to fit Thor for a ranged magic user. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like even just like in Norse mythology, like Thor kind of always had this like... He's not dumb, he's just sort of... He's very sure of himself and sure. he doesn't... He doesn't think he he doesn't think he needs to think, you know. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. He's not he's not unintelligent. He just like he's just like he's just so sure of himself that he's like I don't need to think about this. I'm just gonna do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Autumn Wind says Deadpool should be a rogue. I think with all the sneak attack damage, he can use a rapier or a light crossbow. He's probably a swashbuckler. And to do him right, you would say he was reincarnated as a half-orc and now has a boon that is some sort of innate healing factor. Mm. Um, Dr. Taco 86 says, Much like the example noted on the show, I once made a poor man's Iron Man with a Warforged sorcerer. I didn't have a chance to play him for long before the game ended, but I did really enjoy it while it lasted. I flavored the firebolts as gauntlet blasters, thunder wave as something like an energy burst from his chest, I ended up going with Wild Magic, which was explained as being part of the suit malfunctioning from time to time. Nice. That's kind of like the uh, the Warforged character you made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Wild uh, Magic. What, what do we call him? Uh, you called him Havoc. Havoc was what we called the out of control yeah. magic. But he was uh, he was yeah. So Kaput. Was Kaput his name. was his name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, and then FAM says one of my favorite superheroes is Penny Parker from the Spider Verse comics. Because she is continuing the project with the SP Doctor suit and has to work with electronics, I thought that a Battlesmith Artificer was a good option. She would mm. be a variant human with the alert feat. I wasn't sure about the background, but maybe Guild Artisan? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, those were our uh, responses on social media. Thank you, everybody, who wrote in. So, that was last week's question. Next week's question is... Have you ever joined a group and felt woefully inexperienced compared to everyone else? If so, how did it develop? Of course not. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know about woefully inexperienced because, like, 
like when I started playing was like not too far after Steve started playing. Sure. So like, like I was, I was learning, I was learning along with a lot of people. So, yeah. but I mean, maybe like, maybe when I started playing with you and Jay, okay. Um, I was like, I was like a, a little, I, I felt like maybe I was a little behind, but I don't think I'd, I'd say I was woefully inexperienced. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe the, there's a bit of nuance to the question that I, I could have gone into, but it, uh, I feel like, you know, so much of the gaming experience is going to be the group dynamic. Yeah. And anytime you join a new group, there's going to be some adjustment that uh, has to be made. Um, I definitely though had a, had an experience when I first started playing with Chris, in fact, dang, um, I was, so I was playing well, with, that's what? Chris, man. Well, <laughs> you're, you're all, you're always like, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not, I mean you specifically, yeah. but like if you're playing with Chris, you're behind the times, you know, like he's, <laughs> he's, he's ahead of you in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause so I started, I started playing with him. It was him and it was uh, Melissa and this guy, John and, the first session that I was playing with them, I had been DMing for at least a few months by that point because I had learned how to play as a player. And then I started a group of my own with Jay and Steve and Jamie, I think. And then um, I went and I basically answered an online ad pretty much looking for a new player for this D&D group. And I, everybody else, I was just sitting at the table. I like had no idea what to say or do because they all just knew the game so much better than I did. There would be mm. times where Chris would just like look at a monster's stat block and then say how the battle would go if we were fighting this thing. He'd be like, okay, your character's going to do this. Your character's going to do this. The monster's going to do this. And like, it just, I, it was like, I mean, kind of like what you were saying. I was so far behind Chris, <laughs> but it was the whole group, everybody else they had so clearly been doing this for so long. And so I also had to, you know, get to know the whole group. And also they were teaching me how to play the game just by, you know, just by me being there. And it was, you know, it was definitely a great learning experience, but like I got, I jumped in the deep end so quickly without realizing it, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, (laughs) so yeah, definitely it's, it's definitely happened to me. Um, So I, I wonder if any of our listeners have had, experiences similar to that sure all right that'll do it for our questions for today so before we close out let's uh let's relax let's wind down let's take a deep breath (sighs) let's remember those who have come before us who have uh, given their lives so that we may have a better world to live in as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre Today's funeral pyre was submitted by Top Hat and Teacup Monk via Reddit. We were fighting a sort of anti-party. I, the player, thought it would be a good idea for my fighter to run into a group of three enemies with only 50% health. I got knocked down, and their warlock finished me off by making me auto-fail two saves after I've failed one. Since that day, I've paid a lot more attention in combat. <laughs> So, you know, a simple one, a short one, but, uh, right. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we've all been in situations where it was, it was our own negligence that, that, uh, led to some mistakes being made. I um. hubris. So let's raise a glass in memory of uh, top hat and teacup monks character who, uh, reminds us, you know, just pay, pay attention. <laughs> Clank. Clank. 
All right, that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for a funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and run, running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Reddit. We're on uh, we're on our Interparty Discord. Check us out for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can find podcasts. Please leave us a rating, a review, subscribe to us, or just tell a friend. If you want to support the show monetarily, check us out at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We have a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. Uh, FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where we play video games. Uh, I've also been uh, doing some work in my basement, finally getting my uh, my little recording area set up down there again. So um, I just I haven't been able to do long form recordings because it because I'm in my living room at this point right now. Sure, so, sure. So I'm, I'm I'm working on getting that set up so we can do some more uh, game recordings and possibly be possibly more streams because we are planning on doing the um, the charity stream uh, in November. Yes, extra life. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So we'll we'll have some details for that when uh, yeah, when, when they become some... available. Yep. Awesome. Uh, speaking of video games, you can check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you want to submit any of your own childhood memories of going to the arcade, send them to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time... Gabe, this was nothing like Critical Role. Critical Role.